Happy Friday. Welcome here to another edition of Husker Online Headlines. Sean Callahan, Steve Sipple with you here every week as we dissect through what we think are five of the major headlines. And we are about a week away from Nebraska being in Indianapolis for Big Ten Media Days. And then they'll open up fall camp on Monday, July 31st. So we're almost there. Um, and we're going to start things off. We're going to start off with a little SEC Media Days talk and also Big Ten Media Days talk and Nebraska talk. Let's go headline number one. Let's bring in uh, on three's latest edition, Andy Staples, uh, formerly with the Athletic Sports Illustrated, joining us here on Husker Line Headlines. Andy, first of all, um, welcome here uh, to the team and on three. We're excited to have you. And uh, you are going to be launching your own daily show. So I wanted to give you an opportunity to kind of give our viewers an idea of where they can follow and watch you in the coming weeks ahead. Oh, it's launched. There's there's four episodes out. If they want to if they want to catch up on the backlog, you can find it on the the on three YouTube channel. And also all your favorite podcast platforms. So Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Overcast, Pocket Cast, you name it. We're we're on it. So uh, but we did we did four shows this week and we'll we'll start our normal five show a week routine next week uh, with a live show Sunday night and then we'll go through Thursday. We'll be at Big Ten Media Days with you guys. So it's, it's gonna be a lot of fun. When you just got back to your home in Gainesville um, from literally just got back home from SEC Media Days, what was the feel? Uh, you were in Nashville for for the entire event. Um, was it NIL driven? Was it playoff driven? I mean, what was your kind of big takeaways um, as you left SEC Media Days? It was really boring for a season that should be fr- pretty fun in that league. Uh, nobody, I mean, I don't care what they say about NIL. I like it, the commissioners <laughs> can complain all they want about needing a, a federal bill and all that. I, I don't care. They're not going to get one. They'll have to figure it out themselves eventually. So I, I, I eagerly await when they actually start trying to figure it out themselves. So not worried about that. Uh, the only thing that, that really kind of caught me was the Alabama people with a legitimate chip on the shoulder. Now, they did wind up getting picked to win the West, but barely over LSU and Everybody thinks Georgia is going to win the league. Everybody thinks Georgia is going to repeat as national champion, which is weird because as Nebraska folks well know from that 96 season, it is really hard to three-peat. Hasn't happened since 1936 in Minnesota. So the the math and the probability say that Georgia won't win the national title this year. But, you know, if you put the season in a vacuum, if, if they weren't two-time defending champs, you go, yeah, well, on paper, they should probably should. Is, is the hesitancy regarding Alabama, Andy, that they don't know who the quarterback's going to be, that they're going into camp with three guys, and, and Nick Saban told, told you, told the, all the media folks that it's we gotta, we got to let the cake bake is what he said. <laughs> uh-huh. And he also correctly said that carrot cake was his favorite cake, so I appreciated that from, from yeah. Nick Saban. Yeah. But, yeah, the, the quarterback thing I feel like is a little overblown when you have a roster – as good as they have, you know, they're going to be good no matter who they pick. It was a little bit weird because they, it's not like they've had a rash of transfers or they haven't recruited well in terms of ranking at that position. They have, it's just, they didn't like any, anybody they had coming out of spring practice enough to say, that's our guy. And they went and got Tyler Buckner out of the transfer portal from Notre yep. Dame. And, you know, the, the assumption is Buckner will start because he worked with Tommy Reese at Notre Dame. I, I don't know if that's, the easiest assumption. I'm not, I'm not sure you, you just assume that I, Ty Simpson and Jalen Milrow should have a chance to win this job, but it is, 
weird, especially with them coming in you know, with a new coordinator. And so, but you think about it, Alabama has won four national titles under Nick Saban with a first year starting quarterback. Greg McElroy did it. AJ McCarron did it. Uh, Mac Jones did it. I'm missing one here. Who am I missing? It was. But it was. Uh, was it Blake? No, oh, Jake Coker. Jacob Coker. Oh, how okay. could I forget? Because the 2015 one is the one that that is probably the closest parallel here, where they actually had a five man competition going into preseason camp that year, and none of those guys really set the world on fire. Jake Coker. Didn't wind up being an NFL quarterback, but was perfectly good enough for them to win a national title in 2015. Andy, um, you'll be obviously out in Chicago or Indianapolis for the Big Ten media days as well. Um, I, I think first I want to start with Northwestern because mm -hmm. uh, they haven't held a press conference on campus. They haven't had anybody speak, but here they're going to send this under 40 interim head coach, Dave and Braun. <laughs> up on the podium, who's not even been in Evanston for a football season. Yeah. First official public spokesperson for this football program. What are your thoughts, expectations going into this on uh, Wednesday? Well, when you think about it, though, Sean, he's kind of actually the perfect guy to send up because he can be like, I didn't have anything to do with this. I wasn't there. I don't know. I just got here. He was at North Dakota State last year. And, you know, it's it's crazy because he was hired to, to kind of resurrect this defense. But now thrown into an almost impossible situation because, you know, this season, they, they weren't going to be very good this season anyway. And now you've got all of this swirling around. And this is not going away. This is not going to stop. It feels like there's going to be drips and drabs of this. Now Now that you've got plaintiff's attorneys and class action suits and all that coming in, it's, it's going to be a lot. And, you know, think about this. You've got Pat Fitzgerald. He's defending himself against all these accusations. But then you've also got named in the lawsuits. You've got Derek Gregg, their current AD. Jim Phillips, their former AD, who is the current ACC commissioner. And then the current president, Michael Schill, and the former president, Morton Shapiro. So this is just going to keep coming all season. And, you know, I, I wouldn't be surprised if, if this scandal wipes out Northwestern's administration, too, because they're going to probably need a fresh start after this. Andy, I mean, I know you have a lot going on and you cover the nation. Unlike us, we just we, we pretty much focus on a team and a conference. What I'm wondering is if you, have you had a kind of a chance to stop and think about, I guess, your level of surprise that this is happening to, to Pat Fitzgerald, that this is happening. This is a prestigious institution. In a prestigious I'm not surprised point. by anything, Stephen, and, and I'm not – Nothing involving one particular coach is going to surprise me, you know, I, I, and that's what it was interesting getting texts from people when this started to break. And I said, well, can you believe it's Pat Fitzgerald? I'm like, they're all football coaches. Let's let's not <laughs> get this twisted. It, you don't know what's going on in every program. Right. None of us does. So and, and the thing is, Fitzgerald maintains that he didn't know anything about this. The, the investigation that Northwestern did said Fitzgerald didn't know anything about this. Now, given the information that's come out, it's pretty hard to believe at this point that he wouldn't have known. Right. And Thanks. also, if he really didn't know, it's actually probably more of a negative than a positive for him. Right. So I don't know. It, it's just it's one of those things that you don't know really what's going on in anybody's house, even your neighbor. So 
I, I've gotten past the point of being surprised by anything. Okay. What about, I mean, you just look at this job too. I mean, there, there's talk about the new stadium being built, $800 million, a donation from the Ryan family. Um, you know, Northwestern has already been kind of at a disadvantage in the portal era because you can't mm -hmm. just transfer to Northwestern. Right. I mean, there's so many things working against whoever takes this job. I mean, we don't know what the carnage is going to be with portal players leaving the program. I mean, is there how, how can they recover from this? And, and do you think they robs of Big Ten money? <laughs> That's how they recover. Now, you got to make sure you're not losing the Ryan family as a donor like that. If something like that were to happen, then it is a big problem. But they have massive amounts of money coming in because they're in the Big Ten. And that is what will make it attractive. Maybe not more so than a good Big 12, ACC, Pac-12 type job because the, the challenges are obvious. But if you're going to make $40 million, whether it works or not, guess what? A lot of people are going to sign up for that. Andy, I'm interested. We got to switch the conversation to Nebraska. Nebraska fans want to hear what you think. And it's a simple question. What what did you think about the Matt Rule hire? Oh, I, I like it. And and I've talked to him a couple times since and asked him where where is Nebraska relative to where Temple was when you got there and where Baylor was when you got there. What's he say he says that it, it feels like year two at those places. Hmm. That they're and especially Baylor was was burned down to the ground when he got there and, and he had a lot of work to do. Hmm. There wasn't as much work. I mean, there was obviously the issues that, that caused Scott Frost to not succeed there, but it wasn't a roster that had to be completely turned over. They didn't have to do a Colorado type fire sale on the roster. You know, they, they had guys that they liked and then they brought in some transfers that they thought would, would be able to help. Like Jeff Sims is a prime example. You know, Jeff Sims has the, the body type, the tools you want. He just it, it didn't happen for him at Georgia tech. And there's a lot of reasons why, that might not be his fault. So, yeah, I think that makes you pretty optimistic about what Matt Rule can do in terms of turning this program around. Now, I'm not expecting miracles right off the bat, but can he make Nebraska Bowl eligible in year one? I, I think that's a reasonable expectation. And, and, you know, I think if they can do that, that's, that's a great sign of progress. Andy, you know college football as well as anybody. When I tell you that Nebraska has the longest streak for all Power 5 teams for not appearing in a bowl game, how much does that get to your attention? It's crazy, but then you think about it, and okay, it, it makes sense because you know the, the Mike Riley hire never made a, a lick of sense. I mean, other than perhaps Sean Eichhorst was tired of getting yelled at by Bo Pelini, so he hired the nicest person in college football. But, but Mike Riley was about to get run out of Oregon State when he got hired. So asking him to, to turn Nebraska into a, a better program than Bo Pelini had, it was, was asking a lot because at that point in his career, and he had been very good previously at Oregon state, but I don't think at that point in his career, he was ready for that, that type of job. And then the frost thing still mystifies me because he was very good at UCF. Now, granted he inherited quite a bit of talent. It wasn't like George O'Leary had stopped recruiting there. It was just his players basically mutinied on him in the last year. And that they left a lot there. And it was a different caliber of competition in the league. So it's, it, it is crazy to think that it's been this long. But I don't think they're that far away. 
I, I really don't. I, from bowl eligibility, I'm not talking about competing for Big Ten titles. They're very far away from that. But I do think Matt Rule, if you look at what he did at Baylor right off the bat, he had a very good idea of what he wanted in terms of players. They were looking for certain athletic traits. you know, And it wasn't always because in that situation at Baylor, you couldn't attract the type of recruits that Nebraska can right now because they were dealing with the fallout from the scandal. You know, it was it was a lot harder to recruit at that time, but they found some gems at that point. So now that they've got a lot more to choose from, I feel like. So I think he can get it going pretty quickly. Andy, I think I can ask you this, too. I mean, again, you you've been around this so long. You understand the nuances of college football. Do you feel like Matt Rule is a good fit for his environment, the Big Ten? Yeah, I, I do. I think he understands what wins there. Now, it, it's interesting because what wins there is it, it sort of is changing because you look at Wisconsin and what they did. They hire Luke Fickle. Luke Fickle goes out and hires Phil Longo to run his offense. Phil's right. a you know air raid guy. Wisconsin's trying to win the Big Ten. They're not trying to win the Big Ten West, which, by the way, won't exist next year. And that's the part I'm interested in. And, and Matt, I think Matt is smart enough to see the big picture on that too. Mm-hmm. He's and, and he's been like what he built at Temple wouldn't work at Baylor. And what will work at Nebraska is probably somewhere between those two things. And so I think he's got a pretty good idea of, of what that needs to be. I would imagine he, his idea is, is build Nebraska to try to win the whole big 10. Yes. It's, it's, Cause that's, that's what I'm curious about. Cause like I can't see Illinois or Minnesota shifting gears away from the personalities they've established. And I don't know, like that's not enough to beat Ohio State and Michigan and Penn State. It won't work. But what Wisconsin's doing could work. And I imagine what Matt's gonna do is is closer to that. Okay. Andy, who do you got East and West to, to win the Big Ten divisions this year? So I have a hard time picking against Michigan right now in the East because they've beaten Ohio state two years in a row. They feel built to beat Ohio state. Now they got to go to, to state college. This is a year where we're Penn state in terms of elite talent feels like they are as close to Ohio state as they've been in a long time. Michigan, on the other hand, just stockpiled full of NFL type talent. Now you, you look at the recruiting rankings and there's still a gap between Michigan and Ohio state. But I'd say the way that Michigan has developed players over the last few years, it because I, I don't look at it strictly as what you bring in. I, I look at it as what did you bring in in terms of your raw, your raw material? And then when I talk to draft people and, and NFL scout type people, how many NFL ready players who, you know, if they're, if they're draft eligible now, like how many of them are going to be in the league next year? Mm-hmm. Michigan has a ton of those guys. Mm-hmm. I was talking to, to Jim Nagy from the Senior Bowl the other day. Mm-hmm. He has seven Michigan offensive linemen who are draft eligible. So this doesn't even include the freshmen and the sophomores. Seven that he believes will be in NFL camps next year. So guys that don't even play are going to be in NFL camps next year. So that tells you where, where Michigan's at right now. And oh, by the way, if anybody needs a head coach, Sharon Moore could, could be your guy down the road. Although I think he, I think he's the next head coach in Michigan, but that's the that's the challenge that everybody's got to overcome is is a Michigan team that has built more NFL talent year after year since Harbaugh revamped that coaching staff. So I'm going to pick them in the East. 
the West is is hard. I bet it's hard for me to pick against Luke Fickle. You know, I, I go back to when Luke Fickle took over at Cincinnati, and the the current senator Tommy Tuberville did not leave the cupboard very stocked at Cincinnati. And Fickle came in and immediately upgraded their recruiting, but none of those guys could help right off the bat. And it was rough that first year. But if you look at how some of those guys played, and especially get as they got into that second year, they were really good. He took what was already there, which was not, you know, these were not highly rated recruits or anything like that. And he made them play really well. He's got a lot more to work with at Wisconsin. I think they're going to be good right off the bat. Okay. All right, Andy, we appreciate the time. And Man, uh, we will uh, see you in Indianapolis on Wednesday and Thursday. All right. Thanks, guys. Andy, thanks a ton for that. Hi, it's Sean Callahan with Husker Online. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right. A company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones and see what we find. Learn more at uscellular.com slash built for us. Thanks again to Andy Staples of On3. Make sure you follow him on the On3 YouTube channels. Download his podcasts. He's really good. And, and what a great addition to On3 to have his daily insight on our channels, on our network. You heard it right there. I mean, he, he's Sean, dialed in. you heard it. He knows the nation. He understands the, the college game at a super high level. What he said about Michigan was fascinating. Fascinating. They have seven NFL caliber linemen on the roster right now. It's fascinating. Two things come to mind. Sean, I mean, go back and watch the Nebraska tape last year. What I wrote about after that game, what I saw subsequently when I rewatched the game, it was incredible how how they moved Nebraska's defensive line off the ball. They were pushing them, they were pushing them five yards down the field, seven yards down the field at times in the second half. Then the other part of that discussion is this. Okay, say Andy mentions the Michigan offensive line having seven NFL caliber guys. Sean, I think you could go across the line of scrimmage to their defensive line and maybe find six or seven too. They're loaded up front on defense. Loaded. They feel like the Michigan the, the Michigan folks feel like their defensive line is as deep and talented as it's been since 1997 when they won it all, when they shared in that. And they have two NFL running backs. Yeah. At least, Ed- at least two. Blake Corum and Donovan Edwards. They're, where they're a little light is they don't have that big time. They don't have Ohio State receivers at all. They don't have. But in late November. Receivers. Yeah. When what that wins? game is played. What wins? Just when you're in a backyard alley fight with light flurries coming down if on Thanksgiving case, yeah. Saturday, as it's been the last few years. Well, not last year. It was sunny, but it was cold, obviously. But where it's just a straight up knuckle brawl. Yeah. Michigan has built their team. Harbaugh. You know, Nebraska goes that's in Harbaugh. there. That's Sean, that's Harbaugh. Last year in November. Yeah. And that oh, was not a conducive day to play football. And they just said, we're just going to beat the tar out. Well, of it was conducive if you play like Michigan. Right. Yeah. And, you know, the Chuck, throw your deep balls to Trey Palmer and see how it works today, Nebraska. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's kind of what they said. And we're, right. we're just going to punch you in the face they for did a, 60 minutes. Yeah. Well, yeah. So that's a, it's a hard conversation. What I was, I wanted to ask Andy too, shifting gears, Sean. We could have went almost two headlines, but we yeah. didn't, we didn't want to overuse Andy in our first appearance. I wonder, I wonder 
what that I mean, think about Northwestern situation right now. They, they now they start the season on the road at Rutgers. What's their home their first home game going to look like when they play September 9th at Ryan Field against UTEP? I, I was reading today in the Chicago Tribune. People are are turning in their season tickets. So in mass, they're kind of like they're the trip for other fans. Like when Nebraska plays them, they benefit off Nebraska fans. You think UTEP's going to load up that stadium? No, <laughs> no, that's the thing. It's gonna it's it's gonna be light. But anyway, <laughs> so Andy, uh, yeah, Andy knows his stuff. I mean, that was that was fa- that was that was really fascinating. Yeah, that that Northwestern. You mentioned that game. I mean that. I mean, will there be five thousand fans there? I think so. I don't know. I I would, I would, I would put it this way: Will there be twenty thousand fans there? They don't normally draw twenty thousand. I mean, oh yeah, they do. They average like twenty-seven. I think until there's some clarity in what's going to happen, but it, it's tough. I mean, David Braun's not even forty years old. Yeah. You that's a good question you asked, and Andy had a, an interesting answer that they're sending David Braun, who was the he's the defensive coordinator. He was hired in the off season, so he wasn't there, and he can play the card of look. I don't. I wasn't even here. I don't. I can't answer these questions. I still believe that there's a large part of me that says they shouldn't send anybody to have to answer these questions. These. I mean, we're talking about. Can you get away with that though in the conference? We're talking about questions about a culture of hazing of a sexualized nature. We're, I mean, this is we're talking about questions about um, a culture that enabled racism. I mean, these are not these are very heavy topics to be asking anybody, let alone a guy who's never been a head coach, David Braun, and a bunch of you know a bunch of three players and how often i mean let's be I, real sean i'm saying i'm saying i wouldn't send i if i were the ad if i were the president of northwestern i wouldn't put those guys are they allowed way. to the conference may not allow. oh come on allowed to what's a big what's the big a, 10 it's a accomplish do? conference obligation to be obligation what's the big 10 gonna do find them but you think they, they got this. you know you know what their endowment is i mean it's like 12 billion i mean it's not a, a fine's not gonna. I don't think they want to send the message their program shut down though. That's not sending that message. You put out a. I would say you put out a news release on. Well, Tuesday, they're not going to do that. Hold on, though. on Tuesday or Wednesday that says because of the nature of the situation here, we're not going to put our coaches and student athletes in a position to have to answer these questions. And they they don't deal with a lot of media there. I mean, think about Northwestern. They don't have like a big pack of media that covers them daily. And do you think Pat Fitzgerald and, and the program before they never received tough questions? Like, I mean, <laughs> well, there wasn't a scandal. Going no, but on. I'm just saying, like in general, like the media would. It wasn't like they dealt with anything close to what this would be. Right. So, I, Sean, I know what people, our dear viewers, will say. Simple. You're just you don't you don't think they should be accountable. I think the principals in this discussion should be accountable. Fitzgerald, Michael Schill, the AD. Um, Michael Seals, the president, Pat Fitzgerald, the head coach, Derek Gregg, the AD. Yeah, I do. I think they should be held accountable. But do should David Braun be held accountable? Who wasn't? Who wasn't there? Can you imagine if Nebraska didn't have a press conference at all to this point? After all, I this? can imagine if there was a scandal of this magnitude. Yes, I can't imagine it. If there was a scandal of this magnitude. Oh, but can you? But it? if but 
if the sitting coach was not fired, yeah, you send him. If Fitzgerald was still in place, which would be very odd if you were, you send him. I would be very receptive to Northwestern sending Michael Schill, the president, to, to Big Ten Media Days to answer questions. But David Braun? Then it would take the whole – I mean, the focus is going to be off football then, but then you're really taking the focus Have I football. convinced you, Sean, that perhaps you should not send them? I, But they're going to send them. Okay. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to send you to El Toro Mexican restaurant. <laughs> Have I convinced you? Have you ever experienced turbulence on a flight and wondered why? And you can see all the terrain around you. Uh, you've got no issue with visibility or anything? No, everything's PG. Maybe you've sat on the tarmac for hours wondering why your plane isn't moving. Well, we're outside here. They're saying the ramp is closed. They won't let us park because of the uh, Air Force One. Listen in on the conversations between pilots and air traffic controllers on the Air Traffic Out of Control podcast. 5130 declaring an emergency. There's smoke in the cabin. I need to make a landing right now on 31 left. We have the most interesting, wild, and funny ATC recordings you will ever hear. Check out Air Traffic Out of Control wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. <laughs> Headline number three, um, Nebraska Volleyball yes. receives the largest gift ever to a women's sports team in the NIL era. Nebraska's 1890 Initiative Collective um, has received a gift from Rod Yates and the Nebraska Crossing Outlet Center in Gretna. Mm -hmm. um, it's the brand new luxurious outdoor shopping center mall uh, to the tune of $5 million over 10 years. How about that? Again, the largest gift ever to a women's sports program in the NIL era. And you break down the numbers. There's 12 scholarship volleyball players on a team. Okay. So if you just broke down $5 million over 10 years, that's almost $42,000 a year per scholarship player. That's and that's good. that's not counting what they've already received. Which is significant. So John, it's not out of line to say like John Cook could have close to $100,000 per girl on his roster. That's yeah, amazing. Per should, year, per year. Yeah, we'll throw in that Just Data is a financial technology company that kind of entered into a partnership with Nebraska Crossing and they 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 made this money available to the 1890 initiative. So what's it mean? It, I, it means it ensures that Nebraska volleyball will remain probably a top 10 program for years to come. I mean, there's, it won't be a talent issue. You know, if, if they would drop off, they're going to continue to recruit the type of talent that has, that has made them a force already. The rich just got richer. You, you could put it that way. Um, significantly richer because this is, there's no women's program in the three years of NIL, which happy birthday turned three this week, the NIL era. Um, there's no women's program in the country, volleyball, basketball, any sport. This has received a gift this large. This is groundbreaking. This is the, this is seriously a feather in the cap of eight, the 1890 initiative. It really is. This is a, a flex. This is a major flex. And they're not done. I mean, there's there's going to be more. I mean, I think as things move on, and, and you're going to see 1890 have a brand new office right across the street from the lead center with very public, vi right? visible signage across the street from the campus. Um, so, I mean, their their presence, I think, will pick up even more. Um, but 
you know, I, I think that's something too that gets your attention. If you want to make a gift, you can just write a check and earmark it for sport. So if you want to give Will Bolt that kind of money, somebody can do that. And, and this is what the Nebraska crossing said. We're going to give you 5 million, but it's just for volleyball. This will get people's attention. Rod Yates, just data. And they're going to do content too. It's not like this is just a gift. I mean, they have to perform some services for the money. Mm -hmm. um, so you will see Nebraska volleyball, you know, do photo shoots, um, postings, pictures, um, marketing for the Nebraska crossing. Well, th this is what we're talking about is a gym of a program, the Nebraska volleyball program, which I would say is important to the state at this point. I think that program is very important on the sports, on the state sports landscape. Like I, I, I just called a gym, the where they play as a gym at the Bob Devaney Sports Center. It's a gorgeous arena. It's become something that thousands of people identify with. So I think this is money well spent. You're going to continue to see you know, all Americans roll through here. I, I know they'll never do this, but think if they just said, we're going to play all our games in Pentacle Bank Arena and they sold it out. John Cook would, John Cook right now is saying, slow down, slow your No, no, I know, I know he doesn't want to do that. No, he doesn't want to do that. think if they sold that out and then the amount of re revenue the university would make even more because of the demand to see that program, or maybe they maybe just played a few games, but I know they love their advantage. Oh, they love the advantage of Devaney Center. It's, you know, it, it took a lot to convince John Cook to leave the Coliseum. Oh, yeah, yeah. Right now, he's cringing. No, let's not. We're not. No, no. Yeah. He's getting his football. I mean, the 90,000, you think about what that crowd is. I mean, that's basically the size of 10 crowds at Devaney. You're referring to Volleyball Day in Nebraska? Yes. Yeah, which is coming up. Volleyball Day in Nebraska, there'll be 90,000 people in Memorial Stadium. Yeah, this is a real, a real I don't know, exciting time for the volleyball program. This coupled with Nebraska Volleyball Day in Nebraska. I mean, this is a – like I say, these are major flexes by John late in his career, by John Cook. Think about I'm going to say John's late in his career. I mean, I he can't go forever, right? Think about these two things. 90,000-plus at, at that game. That will be the largest crowd ever to see a women's sporting event in this country and mm -hmm. possibly the world. Yeah, they could make a run at the world record. And then now the largest NIL gift for any women's sport. That's UConn basketball. Back back. It's LSU basketball. It's Caitlin Clark, Iowa right. basketball. Right. That's every other top-level women's program. Not even no, – no one's receiving even close to this. This is, this is serious momentum. I mean, that's what it is. It's serious momentum, and it's – it, it translates. I mean, because it, because it's to see what I, what I think is important to drive home. It's directly related to talent acquisition. This gift from the Nebraska crossing, just data. That's why the collectives to me are exception. I mean, extremely important. You can't, you can't emphasize enough because if you're giving money to this, you are giving it with talent acquisition in mind. There is nothing, Sean, more important to building these programs than talent acquisition. That's what you can talk about all these other ancillary things, which we get lost in way too much. But it's about recruiting all American transfers too. transfers all. Yeah. But all American caliber players. We, we, we talk about topics that to me, sometimes I'm just like, why do we even talk about this? you got to go get talent, talent. That's what this is. Talent acquisition. Matt Davidson is in charge of talent acquisition, and that is critical. And this is about Nebraska. This is about helping Nebraska compete in the current landscape, and you have to have a collective to do that. <laughs> yeah, you need talent.
Um, all right, headline number four. Since the end of spring ball, has anything happened, Steve Sipple, to change your expectations for Nebraska in 2023? I pose this question, this headline, as we are about a week away from being in Indianapolis. Nothing that hits you over the head because it's been sort of a quiet offseason, which is good. But what, what enhances my confidence in the program under Matt Rule is sort of this – I mean, what we see on a daily basis, what we experienced, for instance, when we went to Belton, Texas and Houston is this. And what we see as he puts together this this 2024 recruiting class, which is at 24 players. What do you see, Sean? A lot of organization, right? You see a lot of structure. You see them verbalize what they want to do and then do it well. And, and it, that in some ways translates to me to the 2023 season in that I expect to see organization and structure on the field. Football, to me, largely, it, successful football, to me, is largely about organization and structure. Because what is football, Sean? You're you're just trying to minimize mistakes, right? It's, it's what do you hear coaches say a lot. The team that often wins is the team that makes the fewest it's mistakes. The details. It doesn't beat itself. That's, that's, and that's, I think... I mean, I think Rule has a track record in college football that that tells you that his structure and organization makes sense at this level. Yeah, I think Jeff Sims, just as, Sims. We, as we learn more, just think about back to Casey Thompson. If they were really worried about quarterback, would there have been okay. a, a stronger push to keep Casey Thompson? Because you remember before that deadline, to enter the portal. The this was subsequent to spring ball, yeah. right after spring ball. You know, it, it looked like, oh, man, Casey Thompson might stay and fight it out. Right. And you were on this big give him a chance to win the job I campaign. Um, I was. I was. I was on that campaign. And uh, didn't go, it didn't campaign. go so well for you. <laughs> but um, all of a sudden, then he put his name in the portal uh, once the deadline hit mm -hmm. on that day. Casey did. Casey Thompson did. And that, tells you, that told you right there, because I, I think Matt Rule could have, fought harder and maybe made some stronger insurances if they really felt like they needed Casey Thompson. But I think they felt like, Hey, we got what we need and more. Yeah. And that's, a, that's a good point. And that did that technically happened subsequent of spring balls. So yeah, that, that's, that's something. Um, but again, I guess I would go to the quiet of the off season, which I always regard as a positive, as, good. as a positive. Nebraska in recent years has had very quiet off seasons. Now it didn't translate into success for frost. It didn't, but they didn't have a lot of trouble off the field. Pelini's teams, they had the, they had a significant amount of trouble for a while, still won, but it wasn't always quiet. When I mean, you say trouble, you mean like guys, like Ernest, Ernest Suttles breaking a beer bottle over a kid's head and getting arrested, uh, a receiver running from campus police because he has marijuana, Th those sort of things. You're not seeing any of that right now. No. In fact, right. we, we lost our police chief in Lincoln today as we're taping this show. We don't even have a police chief right now in this city. So yeah. it's it's been a very quiet uh, day of headlines for the Nebraska or we, summer of headlines. And as for you, Nebraska football. No news is good news. And, and usually it is. Yeah.
Um, but yeah, you know, I, I think Matt Rule too has established kind of the boundaries of what he wants, and and there is discipline in this program. I mean, you, you I know there are guys running and doing extra things. Oh, there's discipline happening behind the scenes. It's not like this is some sort of country club offseason. I mean, there no, no, no. There's a lot of accountability and discipline behind the scenes. Well, I'm, that, that's something I'm glad you mentioned because if you're a Nebraska fan, you're looking for reasons to enhance to have your confidence enhanced that's one i you know what i'm not worried about with matt rule discipline yeah i've we've seen enough already you 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 shared with me off air something that that well, we're not going to bring it on air but there's discipline oh yeah there's, there's discipline people being held accountable yeah it's not and, and you know what people are gonna say oh come on sip there's always that in this program no there's not under riley it got it got awful in terms of accountability. It was awful. I mean, there were there were plenty of stories about guys that that weren't going to the weight room, not getting there on time, not going. Period. And you could see it. It's showing up late. Yeah. I mean, I don't know that Frost's program had a horrible discipline issue. I I think it was a. Mo I mean, let's face it. Their problems started at the top. Well, in, in the COVID era, it just kind of clouded up the vision of it because of almost losing a lot of that 2020 year in mm -hmm. the in what it normally would have been okay and then even the spillover to 2020 it just didn't like that little window of 18 months there hurt nebraska it did then 20 okay i mean covid the approach we liked you and i liked their very nebraska's very aggressive approach liked it didn't work three and five okay then 2021 happened 2021 was a weird year they they went four and eight, but they weren't that. They didn't seem like they were that far away. Then what happened? Twenty twenty two just unraveled. It fell so, apart. It just unraveled so quickly that it feels like, in some ways, we never really got a handle on exactly the things that were wrong because it unraveled so quickly in twenty twenty two. Yeah, that Northwestern game. Like there were moments you are like, wow, they look pretty good. And yeah. then you are like, wow, they're not very good. No, God, I'll tell you what that game. I mean, that game. You are gonna kill me for saying this but is a pretty good example of why you got to be careful about taking a team overseas. When, when, is your program equipped for it? I would argue that Nebraska's program under Frost wasn't equipped. It, it, it really hurt them. I mean, they came back and they played, they didn't play very well. They almost against, got beat by North Dakota. Yeah. They didn't play very well against North Dakota. And then Georgia Southern, I don't know how many yards did they put up, Sean? They scored every time they had the ball almost. I mean, they put up more yards than any opponent in, Memo in Memorial Stadium history. Yeah, I mean, we were sitting up there sort of mesmerized because we were thinking, oh, Nebraska's offense is moving the ball very consistently. It's just a matter of the defense getting some stops, which it never did against Georgia Southern, okay? And Georgia Southern wasn't very good, it turns out. Very odd. All right, let's go. Headline number five, odds and ends. Oh, yeah. Um, I want to start first with the status of the uh, Go Big construction project because I think initially the thought is Nebraska was going to be able to be moved in at least to the parts that they need for the football season, the locker room, um, the weight room. This is the live look at where it's at right now. Steve Sipple, does it look like Nebraska will be in this building by next week? No, I mean there was some there was a school of thought that perhaps the players could move into the locker rooms and use the weight room. So if the locker rooms and weight room were ready, let's let, the, the school of thought was let's go ahead and move in. We will have to ask Trev Alberts and Matt Rule next week in Indianapolis, is that still the plan? 
I, I don't see how it is right now. I mean, it just doesn't seem like this is a functional building ready to house 150 football players. And if you put 150 football players in there with a full coaching staff and training staff, does it, is it, can you do that with construction on with jackhammers and <laughs> cranes? And well, I don't know. Is there cranes over there? Yeah, the cranes are probably, but I don't think they're my question out. now there is like, when will this all be done? Cause we, we know it's not gonna be ready for the football season. So will there be a point in the fall? Like the bye week, is that the logical period when you move the team in the locker room if they can't move in now? Because if they can't move in at the start of camp, you're not going to do it in the flow of things. Right. And I so, uh, and now we talked about this earlier this week on our Husker online radio show. Now, this is just my opinion. It's just an opinion. If I were the head coach, I wouldn't move a team midseason. Like the, you, you suggested maybe the October bye week. I wouldn't say, okay, we're gonna. This is when we're. This is when we're gonna change homes. All right, right during the season. Now, I'm not doing it. I think it's too disruptive. Now, Matt Rule might say, "Simple, I'll run the program, and it can. It, we we have a lot of personnel over here, support staff that will make the move, and the players won't be stressed at all. So maybe that's the case, but I'll I'll believe it when yeah, I see it. Yeah, I I don't think you want to cut corners though. Well, yeah, I don't. Yeah, there's that element too. All right, I want to hit on this, too. Colorado has announced that the game with Nebraska is a sellout. Okay. You know, what, what does that mean to you? I mean, I'm not surprised. I am a little surprised how early they called it because if you did go on Colorado's website, they had several tickets listed at basically scalpers' prices, like six, $700 through the school website. $600, I mean, $700. I mean, they, they have got the prices on this game sky high. Because they know Nebraska fans want to go. They know Colorado fans want to go. It's the first game of the Deion Sanders era. It's a rivalry. Um, it will be interesting to see if some of these tickets flood themselves into the secondary market because that's what this game is now going to turn into. It's a secondary market game where you will not be able to buy tickets anymore through the school. Mm -hmm. And is there some other things we don't know? I mean, has Colorado like moved some of these tickets to a partner like SeatGeek or SeatGeek? Seat somebody like that – that will start unloading these tickets on there for more money that Colorado can make. I mean, I, I just, I have my questions. I, I know a lot of people, what are your questions? I know a lot of people in the ticket industry. Uh, one of my best friends um, is very caught up on this stuff. And he, he just, he just kind of, what, what's his question? question about, did they truly, truly sell this out? Or is there going to be a movement of a lot of these tickets that flood into a secondary market, okay. Okay. even for a higher price now? Well, if Nebraska were to beat Minnesota, and Colorado were to push TCU. Now think about it. I mean, if people that will increase demand, that'll increase increase enthusiasm for the game, right? So I don't know. I don't know how it's all going to shake out. We'll see. Um, I appreciate your. your it's one of the highest priced tickets in college football, though. Right how about now, about that. And I, you have no objection to me calling it a rivalry. Well, it was a rivalry for many Did, years. Didn't it feel like a rivalry when Nebraska was out there with Adrian Martinez? As did it feel grown like men were grabbing their yeah junk, um, <coughs> did it feel like a rivalry to you? Yeah. It oh did. yeah. That's why I don't mind saying it. it. Still feels like a rivalry to me. Yeah, I think when you okay. see well, who's who's a cover who's covers Colorado for on three is it Brian Howell? No, we don't have a Colorado. Site. Oh, we don't have a Colorado. Site. Well, I talked. Okay, it was the Boulder Daily Camera writer. He just said I was a little taken aback by what he said. The is the Boulder Daily Camera beat writer. He said, "Oh, he just." 
said it casually, but he said Colorado fans hate Nebraska. Oh, that's that's been the case for years. I mean, Bill McCartney, when he came into Colorado, he he was from Michigan. Hate's a strong word. And yeah, he ahead. he wanted to create an Ohio State like rivalry for Colorado. And he looked at a program that was classy. They did things the right way. And he said, I want, I want, I want it to be Nebraska. And, and that's how it kind of formed. Sure. But it got, t- I mean, according to Dave Pilotti, um, the longtime media relations director for Colorado, who's been with the program since the 70s. Yes. He said some of that got taken a little bit out of context. Um, he chose Nebraska as the rival for them because he had a lot of respect for them. But then there was that period in the late 80s, early 90s, where Colorado got really good. Yeah. And that's when that became a rivalry. Yeah, and 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 I think the feeling is still very intense. It felt that way to me, no when, doubt. When Nebraska was out there, it was intense. Um, anyway, so that gets us into a, a sort of an interesting Pac-12 discussion. Pac-12 media days is today, Sean. We're talking to the, our listeners on the on Friday. Friday yep, and, one day event. And Pac-12 media days is today, and. Now, Prime's not there. Deion Sanders is not there, which really takes away from everything. But they still don't have that media rights deal in place that I know of, unless it's happened. It's not in place. It's not in place. It's very awkward. We don't know what's going to happen. The future of that conference, the Pac-12, is very much in doubt. And I want to share with you something that Brock Heward said. Brock Heward, do you remember Brock Heward? Yes. He was a quarterback at Washington. And now he's a Fox Sports analyst. He called. He called. Now he he's in the industry. He called the Pac-12 situation with media media rights negotiations as very. He described it as being very dire. Okay, that's Dennis Dodd reported a couple months ago. Sean, I mean, it's almost like surreal that that the agreement might come down to an agreement with NBC Universal, which would put the games on the USA, which would put late night games on USA Network. Come on. This is extraordinary. Now, what Heward went on to say is this. Think, Think about this, Sean. Think about this and count your blessings that we don't really deal with this much in the in the Big Ten to a large degree. He said these universities broke the trust of these networks by not showing up, by not caring. Have, their fans don't show up. And frankly, in some of the places like Palo Alto and Berkeley, they'd rather not have football. See, Sean, he, shoot, the problem is the network's advertisers need numbers and eyeballs. And this goes back to COVID. Think about the shenanigans the Pac-12 didn't want to play football. They did that, 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 that they were smarter than everybody. Oh, we're real smarter and more sophisticated than you. We're not going to play football, even though everywhere else in the world, from midget football mm-hmm. to SEC football, Big 12 football, ACC football, Notre Dame football, mm-hmm. eventually Big 10 football played football. Then they had a play, and then they come out and play. I mean, wasn't it like a six game season? Yeah, it was a short. I mean, it was ridiculous. Right. Like Oregon went to the Rose Bowl with like a four and two record or something. It, it, it was, it's a, it's a or the Fiesta Bowl, excuse me. Right. You're right. It's an interesting conversation because the Pac-12 right now is pretty good. I mean, you look at that con- look at the quarterbacks in the conference, Sean. These are the they have three of the best quarterback situations in the country. When you look at Oregon with Bo Nix, Washington with with Michael Penix, USC with Caleb Williams, those are 
there's quarterback situations are you could make an argument those are the three best in the nation or close to it so they play, they still play good football out there washington's playing really good football oregon has momentum now at pac 12 media days are you going to ask are you going to talk a lot about chip kelly making a turnaround at ucla when ucla's headed out um how much are you going to talk about usc which by the way is picked to win the pac 12 this year by the media are you how much are you talking about them knowing they're gone they're, these teams are leaving what if oregon got the chance and washington got the chance to go to the big 10 they'd be gone too i think so and then what happens then what happens the light dims greatly on west coast football which i've told you i'm not comfortable with as a as a consumer as a as a college football fan i don't want the west well, coast john i don't want the west coast to go away usc ucla washington oregon the four best teams in the west would be in the big 10 Why, what would be wrong with that they're not really it's not really west coast football anymore they still play on the i mean what do you mean though yeah yes good point i mean i get what you're saying like, but i just want a strong conference out there stanford will never I mean, Stanford's not going to be good anymore. No, I, 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 what I would prefer is to have a strong, thriving Pac-12. It ain't going to happen, though. I don't. I, the, I, the, it doesn't look like it. it the fans don't like show it. up. At not all the not at, at a lot the of teams players. that only Oregon now would recruit at like a top ten level, maybe in that league. But will they? And then the revenue's not going to be there. How okay. can you compete? When the other leagues are getting the money that they're getting, and you're going to be under half that money, like oh, I no, 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 I, we'll see. I mean, that. the Big Ten is going to be a hundred million. SEC is going to be around a hundred million. I mean, not quite, but you know, you know what I'm saying. Ooh, not a hundred. No, 80, 80, 90. Let's say seventy. Yeah, but they're going to have a significant okay advantage in ticket revenue, and they're going to have other things. The Pac-12 is going to be lucky to get thirty-five million, but that would be about what the Big Twelve is getting what those teams are getting annually see what the pac 12 people have said oh we can match the big 12 but will they haven't been able to they, do it yet well yeah we haven't seen it so i don't know we'll have to see but but the pac 12 has said oh it's a layup we can match the big 12 i don't buy that okay. oregon state washington state they're not getting ratings arizona's not getting ratings arizona state probably not getting i mean cal who, who's getting the ratings like how Oregon. many teams in that league? How many matchups in that league would generate a viewing audience of four million people? <laughs> Not many. Not many. And that that that's what the Big Ten and the SEC can do every week. They get big draws, four to ten million people watching these big games. I don't. I, but it, but as a as a longtime college sports fo college football follower, the idea of the Pac-12 disintegrating, I don't think is healthy. No, I mean I, I don't say I disagree, but it's also the re. I mean there's a lot of things like you don't want to go away mm -hmm. you know but they do yeah <laughs> I mean, that's, that's true but uh it should be fun uh, we're going to do at husker line headlines next week after big 10 media days we'll preview big 10 media days though this week on the husker online show we'll come to you a day early on tuesday uh so make sure you like follow subscribe to us what we'll full coverage in indianapolis as uh steve sipple robin washett greg peterson and i will all be out there covering uh, the happenings at Media Days, but download, like, follow, subscribe to us here on the Husker Island YouTube page and also anywhere you can find headlines. Uh, for Steve Sipple, I'm Sean Callahan signing off for another edition of Husker Line Headlines.